Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the Sustainable Development Goals and the Roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. So that was a really good conversation with Jesus Inoma and Jesus is based in Ireland. But he's originally from Portugal and he's a financial services professional who's advising on operations and strategy for financial services firms. Um, but today we spoke a lot about how finances and open finance are really what is going to change the world and how in the future, hopefully we can see data being leveraged to give people a lot more opportunities and access to cheaper insurance, access to new services and new capital that they might not have been able to uh, reach before. And a lot of this will be uh, carried by technology and mobile penetration. Um, But I really hope you enjoy this one as much as I did because it was a great conversation. Great to have you on the SDG Talks podcast today. Definitely really something special to be able to talk about finance because we we chat to lots of people about water technology and energy technology and all sorts of different things. But uh, I think quite often people maybe neglect financial side of things, although it is very critical to everything that we do and how society functions. People just like to hear about the technologies and the solutions and the co-creation and like the community stuff. But how is anyone supposed to move forward if we don't have the uh, the golden kashish, exactly. which is uh, which is what you represent? So I thought the first thing could be really interesting to hear from you because from previous conversations I know that you're very passionate about championing social causes and environmental causes, um, and so really it would be interesting to hear why and how you've found yourself where you are today um, in the financial services industry. Sure, Jim. So I'll give you more or less the background where I started, uh, which is which is a bit unusual. Um, you know, my undergrad is insurance, international insurance and European studies. Um, and a lot of people say, how the hell you ended up with, you know, very specific, uh, you know, undergrad in insurance, right? How did, how did that even happen? You know, uh, but I've, I've got a, a passion for insurance. I, I really fell in love with it when I understood the concept. And I think it's very re- relevant for you, for your, for your listeners, because insurance is really about the transfer of risk, and by transfer of risk, you can take more risk, right? Um, so it's about creating that protection and that ability to transfer risk. Uh, and I always, you know, myself, my background, I come from a develop, con- developing country, and I always looked at why developing countries are not as developed, right? Uh, and then that concept of risk transfer is it is it epitomizes why that happens because developing countries cannot transfer risk as effectively as developed countries you know um and that creates a problem because if you get transfer risk effectively you can get more capital so you can do more development so you, you keep evolving right so if your cost of capital is costing you more than a developed country every single time um then you're paying a premium every time so you're in a kind of a losing battle in a way so that's what really got me really my juices really um you know into insurance and uh, really loving the area 
and understanding more of our, of our risk management and European studies is all about psychology, sociology, you know, that element of it, the human race and society, anthropology, you know, all that good stuff, which I really, really enjoyed. We did philosophy uh, before coming to Ireland. That was my one of my key subjects I really loved was philosophy. So, you know, it talks about society and how society has evolved. So that was my undergrad. And then, of course, uh, I said insurance. Let me just branch out into the general financial services. So I did a, a postgrad in uh, in financial services. That talked to me into banking and all that kind of stuff. It led me into banking and all those areas. We talked a lot around uh, banking in, in my postgrad. Um, and then I went to work in the industry. So I worked for uh, insurance companies. I worked for uh, banks. That was my latest job before I started the fintech. But I worked for a bank insurer. I was privileged to work for the biggest bank insurer in Europe. So uh, I was like, okay, data is driving a lot of decisions. You know, now if you get an universal view, you can service your customers better. So I really got interested in the concept of understanding data, understanding behaviors, and fundamentally understanding society. Again, coming back to um, you know my undergrad and my yeah. passion for philosophy, all that good stuff. So I was like, okay. IoT is a big thing, which is Internet of Things, and we can connect more with the consumers, gather more data, give, provide them contextual products. Um, so then I, I saw an opportunity to go and build a fintech around uh, smart cities uh, and f f fintech financial services, uh, really servicing banking and insurance space. Uh, and I saw the opportunity, okay, they're going to disconnect the cities, disconnect itself, disconnect the cars. Where is the biggest penetration rate happening at the moment? And for me, it was really in the area of wearables. I'm wearing an Apple Watch, uh, you know, even wearing an Aura ring as well here. Um, <laughs> so it tracks my sleep. Uh, so I'm, We're not getting paid for this. This, is, this isn't an ad promotion, is it? No, that, that <laughs> is good to caveat it, James. But, uh, no, but I like just to understand, uh, you know, how everything that's happening within my body. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, we saw that there was big opportunity there in the wearable space. And really coming back to say, okay, how do you make um, insurance products and banking products more purposeful, serving the consumer? And we felt that there's a great connection to say, okay, insurance should be about keeping you healthy and not paying your claim. And banking products should be about the exact same thing. You know, how do I provide a, a protection to the consumer? Uh, or understand them to given the different types of lending, you, you know, according to their life expectancy, right? Um, so really, to that, build a fintech uh, uh, on that. That was very, very exciting. And our first pilot came out of the US. Then, of course, we're Irish based company, went to Ireland, UK, and Poland. Uh, and after that, I exited to join Grant Thornton, like was headhunted by Grant Thornton, really to bring these two worlds. And as you said, quite well, you know, drive them to collaborate together because that's the future, really, is when you bring the technology companies with its incumbents and then you accelerate digital transformation. So, in a nutshell, that gives you why and I'm so passionate uh, about this area and, and the future I see as well, um, you know, financial services. Mm really nice story there and uh, you've tied it up with a nice uh, ribbon at the end and everything everything loops back together and um, I actually really liked your point there about the wearable devices and, and insurance and I remember reading about something that if you could prove to your insurance company that you're extremely healthy you've got a really low resting heart rate and you've got great heart rate variability and you're super active and fit that you should and um, could be able to reduce your payments because by that data surely you're going to live longer is that the kind of is that the kind of work that you were 
it, it was it was the work we were doing and back then um there are several studies around 10,000 steps right uh, you know and tracking the steps activity but what we went further and there was a very very interesting uh, you know uh, startup which was spun up from a, an insurer called Discovery, and mm. the startup is Vitality out of South Africa, and it, it was, maybe we get a chance to talk about it. That reverse innovation that happens an awful lot of times, mm. but that started in Africa. And now it will be rolled out in a developed developed countries, right? Um, but the interesting part for me was okay, Vitality spun off an insurer with an insurer's view. So mm. the insurer owned the data at the end, and Vitality partnered with specific part one part in each region and for us when we built uh, our company back then was we savvy we said this should be this data should be owned by the consumer and it should act as the actual passport mm. you know to other insurance companies so any given time i can open my say okay look at my heart rate look at my sleeping patterns look at my activity Mm-hmm. now give you better insurance so it's like you you know you have your own credit score your digital mm-hmm. credit score in a way mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. why that's why our concept that we built mm-hmm. uh, back then so we looked into very interesting things as you said james we, we were the ones that started looking into really the heart rate how do we bring heart rate into pricing on the right and reserve an insurance company how it's do quite you scary think... future thought as though isn't it <laughs> <laughs> no way but the thing is like if i'm if i'm healthy right sense. why shouldn't mm-hmm. i be rewarded for that and mm-hmm. uh, we will go challenged we got very challenged initially about the unhealthy population will the unhealthy population be penalized right mm. for uh, my you know as we discussed initially my background is, is insurance and uh, i understand the risk so there's vehicles whereby you can actually gather a population that you perceive that is riskier right mm-hmm. and collateralize that risk to to, to sell the market to other people that want to diversify risk, right? So if you're able to gather a population that you, you perceive is riskier, and then you, you can put in a, in the insurance-linked securities market, right? Um, which is a, a, it's kind of a stock market, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to diversify because insurance risk is not correlated to the market risk, right? So if markets are going down, doesn't mean a lot of people are going to die, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So there's an appetite for, for that market uh, to buy insurance risk. So the, the unhealthy population or risky population, however you want to position it, will still get a, a very good premium using mm-hmm. these devices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh, when you start talking about collateralization there, I was thinking of the movie The Big Short, where he starts talking about yeah. lending. I was like, oh, we're going down a road here. I, I'm not going to be able to follow yeah, you. I, I, I'll, just try, I'll just try to keep it simple because, no, I like uh, I, I, you know, what did James uh, and, then, and you, you can, as you said, this is going, can be as, as perceived as be futuristic. But if you think about yourself, like we, we can be thinking ourselves as units of data, right? You know, uh, there's a concept called digital twin, right? And I used to play this game called the uh, Tamagotchi. I don't know if you played the Tamagotchis, you know, but it is a, a Hisu's Tamagotchi in the virtual realm, right? Uh, and, you know, all that data has been ported into somewhere. Um, and it's exactly that. I just have to be able to show that virtual Hisu's around, right, to people. And there's some, there's some, there'll be some markets that want to buy that virtual heases, and there are other markets that might not want to buy that virtual heases, but there's always a market for virtual heases, right? <laughs> no, no, it's really good, and, and, and thank you for laying it out so so simply for me and for anyone else listening. And, and maybe what could be quite interesting now is then to take it forward with your role in open finance uh, and how you see that relating to sustainable development more so than sort of health tech. And I know that that's a really broad opener but mm. how, how how do you 
how do you see it best connecting to, yes. to sustainable so, development? What are the opportunities? So for where I look at it, you know, sustainable finance, open finance, what is it? It's really about bringing finance to what it was built in the first place to do in a way, right? I call it proper purpose, right? Mm. And what we're seeing now... Can we trademark that one? <laughs> I should trademark it, but <laughs> open finance, profit for purpose. That, that could be a great tagline. A good idea, James. We actually go after this uh, podcast to do that. But profit for purpose, meaning like uh, this industry, it's when, I, when we look at even sustainable finance um, and open finance, I look at four main industries. One is banking, another one is insurance, there's asset management and funds. Uh, and then we've seen that the funds and asset management, there's going to be convergence on all these industries. We've seen a convergence between asset management and funds. As you, as you mentioned, uh, James, these funds for sustainable development have to come from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you're seeing now a lot of uh, these uh, funds and asset managers have to report or the sustainability metrics, mm-hmm. right? So it's actually the ESG reporting, and then you they're going to deploy more capital, right? You're going to create more green bonds and, and other vehicles to deploy this capital. So uh, coming back to it, they now have to showcase the purpose, right? Mm-hmm. In society, in a way. Same banking and insurance um, are going through that movement. We started with app, asset management funds, but there's the coverages with the banking and insurance. So all these industries will converge in a way it starts somewhere always and twinkles down to the other spaces right and i see it twinkling down to the others uh, but fundamentally what I, I believe is going to happen is other industries coming into finance and reinventing finance as well so mm-hmm. an interesting part for us is when you look at likes of media players telco players mobility players you know utility players coming into finance and giving their own spin right saying that this is what we believe finance should be about right uh, and an interesting one for, that I've been following for a while, and I've been I've been very vocal for you know over five years on, uh, but now the cat is out of the bag is Tesla, mm. right? Tesla is a very very interesting company, and now it is as a, the core of the message is sustainability. But even from the get go, it was sustainability because it was like saying if anyone is going to crack the electric vehicle car massive impact globally, right? Because we mm-hmm. know, um, you know, the pollution that comes from, from cars in general, right? But then they said, okay, if we can solve that problem, right, we can solve other societal problems when we start making a, a, a going to other industries and making this uh, other industries more affordable. So they went into the solar panel, right? Space as well. So they've created that ecosystem around solar panels. And it's interesting thing about Tesla, the way Elon Musk thinks is like he wants to make it in a way that is a no-brainer, that he actually mm-hmm. what he's selling you becomes a revenue, right? So well, and that's how you create a sustainable business model. We could talk about it later as well, and how you, you actually get market traction and you get mm-hmm. the late, late late majority, right? So what he's doing with Tesla is bringing it to a, a value, let's say under thirty thousand dollars that a lot of people can afford, right? Of course, it started with the expensive market, the high network individuals, but now it's making the massive production uh, now affordable, right? So Tesla's saying to me, okay, he's this, by the way, he's gonna cost you $30,000. And this val- this car now is gonna be co- it's better for the environment, but it's gonna make you money because while you're not driving your car, because well, a lot of people don't drive their car majority of the time because it's parked, right? You mm-hmm. drive to your work, you park it, at the weekends it could be parked, etc. You know, they don't mm-hmm. ma- maximize the value of the car, but he's saying to you, actually, 
James, while your car is not being driven, it's going to act as a, a robot taxi around, right? You know, mm. and it's going to make you money. By the end of the year, James, you're going to have your $30,000 back, right? Yeah. So, so the car is no longer making you lose money because when you drive it, you're not losing the 20%. You're saying, actually, after a year or two, this car started making me money, you know? <laughs> so it becomes a reverse the model, which is interesting, very interesting. And it's the same with the solar panels. It's going to say mm. to you, we are going to put the panels on your roof. And we know that solar energy, even in Ireland, uh, we'll be able to gather enough watts, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. to sustain your house, right? Um, which no very, very little sun coverage that we get here in Ireland, right? Um, what are you saying to you? I'm going to put a solar panel in your house, right? And then I'm going to help you sell the energy storage around. Mm -hmm. uh, that is my even making money as you, you know, uh, going mm -hmm. forward, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. So you can see how these models are now, you know, these people are coming in uh, with different mindsets and thinking about finance in a different way. As a consumer mm -hmm. now, I'm thinking about my solar panel as an investment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking about our car as an investment. Uh, the, the, the car as well is better driven because it has some elements of security in the car that might avoid accidents. So it, Elon Musk was saying now, actually I go into insurance because I can insure you better because I understand the car, I understand the individual better than the insurance company because of the data that I'm gathering on the individual on a daily basis. So he's, he's doing insurance there. That's the plan. He's, he's doing insurance now, you see. Huh. So, and they've got the batteries as well. So they're giving you the whole package. It's it, like <laughs> the whole thing, the whole thing. The, and the uh, whole battery whole was the gateway, you know? So yeah. that's, that gives an idea, James, of what, uh, how exciting open finance could be and how you can even create more sustainable uh, business models going forward, right? Which are more excited for the consumer, more purposeful for society. Um, and who knows where it could go, right? You know, uh, there's a lot of creative people around there, you know? Yeah. And so what do you, what do you think then could be the sort of big breakthroughs for earlier on our, on our chat? You'd <clears throat> talks about this discrepancy between the developed and the developing world. Mm. How do you how do you best see we could leverage some of open financing to elevate the developing world so that we can um, progress faster? I'm really excited about you know where it's all going uh, because I think financial services uh, fintech in specific could really be that that unlocking uh, of the potential in the developing world. Because, and I'll give you another one, they could be coined, right? You know, uh, paper ready here. Just... <laughs> but this is actually, I believe it, really, really believe in this one. And, it, you know, and it is, it's the truth, right? In developing worlds, right, we innovate out of convenience, right? Uh, we want a burger, deliver to our door, deliver you know, all that kind of, is out of convenience, right? You know, we net Netflix want to see a lot of uh, different, uh, you know, uh, mm. uh, you know, blockbuster movies, put everything in my TV. We innovate out of convenience in a way. You know, I'm on Amazon. I want to be recommended stuff. I don't want to be thinking about too much about it. You know, I want to deliver it to my house as fast as possible, you know? So it's innovation out of convenience. But in developed societies, developing societies, right, uh, we... It, innovation happens out of necessity, right? So if you see innovations that happen there, likes of M-Pesa, M-Pesa, they created this incredible payments platform because 
people cash was very prevalent in Africa, right? So whenever someone paid me, I always carry a lot of cash around. So I could be, get robbed um, mm-hmm. if I was carrying that cash around. So Mpesa had to create a kiosk where you can deposit that cash as quickly as possible, and then you know you have a, you know that in a, in a digital form, right? Mm-hmm. So it's an innovation out of necessity, yeah. right? But for me, the importance of fintech, financial service technology, is now we can start looking at how do we reach massive societies uh, that, and areas of society that we weren't able to reach before, right, mm-hmm. uh, in an affordable manner. So it's that economies of scale, economies of, of, of scope, right? Mm-hmm. So um, how do we bring now unbanked people that we were not able to bank before? Right? How do we insure people that we're not able to insure before? You know, how do we bring people to save and you know maybe think about their pension that we're not able to do before? Right? Mm-hmm. But with technology, we can now reach the economies of scale and economies of scope, uh, and we're seeing that now. I think uh, the the down next next movement, and you, you probably you, you can see by the venture capital going into certain fintechs in certain areas. You look at Latin America, you're looking at Africa, you, India already happened in China, but this 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 continents have a big population. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we're talking about data and people that haven't been uh, maybe uh, serviced uh, according to the tech, service well according to the technology we have, that's mm-hmm. where the opportunity really lies. Uh, and even there's an anecdotes out there uh, with Brazil and uh, New Bank, mm-hmm. right? What's, they, what's the they, new Bank is this new digital bank like Revolut that we have uh, yeah. here. That uh, it deployed in Brazil, and they they had massive rich day. They're growing at a very very rapid rate, but it, but basically uh, some of the anecdotes of their customers were like, my bank never treated me like you uh, through COVID, right? Uh, they go into these favelas, you know, someone in a favela, which is like uh, you know, you know the cost of a favela, James, mm-hmm. uh, you know the kind of. Um, yeah, how do how how would you position that to your viewers in the political? <laughs> Un- unplanned. Unplanned housing, and the... unplanned housing. Uh, there you go. Unplanned housing, right? Um, where you know some lower uh, society tend, tends to leave um, low population society is categorized on the band, right? Um, Tensely, but they, they were never treated well by their banks because you know when you go into a bank, you know they expect you maybe to have some uh, mannerism, they expect you mm-hmm. to have some uh, credit history, they expect you to, uh, you know. Uh, Exhibit some traits, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And this article that came from this lady was like, Jesus, like this guy has opened a bank for me. They treated me as if I was top, you know, you know, first class citizen. Before I used to go to a bank, and I was not adequate being in the bank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not Unwelcome, even though is that this lady was a money, you know. So, so she's taking yeah. money to the bank, and she's feeling inadequate about being in the place that she's going sharing them. Uh, uh, you know, deposit in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, income. So those stories, uh, that's what really galvanizes me because now that lady can become, you know, uh, more financially stable because she's like building a credit history. By building a credit history, she started educating herself around finance. By educating herself in finance, she, she can then spread the word to other yeah. people in, in favelas. Uh, I say, okay, actually, look at this bank, look at everything that I'm learning, look at how my money is working for me. Because it's, as, as you said quite well, Jeb, at the end of the day, we live in a capitalist system. Some, uh, of course, some parts of the law are not capitalist, but predominantly a uh, capitalist system. So we have to say, okay, how do we make this work now, uh, this uh, form of uh, system that we have work for everyone? 
And mm -hmm. normally it didn't work for everyone before. It works predominantly for, uh, you know, the for people might say the for a number, uh, let's say 1% of society or 10% of society, but we have to make it work for a bigger mm -hmm. uh, percent of society. And like, and like you were saying earlier, there's now the technology available, there's mobile phones and there's penetration in these areas that previously people didn't have access to, to the internet and to phones. And that's the thing. Makes me, it makes me question though, I wonder, do you think there's any, any risk that when we talk about these are, these are people who haven't been serviced before and they've not had access mm -hmm. to financials. Is it often foreign actors that are coming in to service these individuals or so having this digitalization, does it mean that more wealth is actually coming out of the country in the local economy as a result? Or would you say it's more of a, um, like your example in Brazil, I guess that's a, that's a Brazilian company mm. that have started that initiative. Um, do you think there's a risk of, yeah, you could say, it, I don't know what you'd call it, sort of co co not colonialism, but extraction of resources from, from foreign actors? It's, it's an interesting one. It's a very interesting one. And, uh, you know, I really get into this a lot because I think we're in a new era of colonialism. I think we're in a new era of colonialism whereby um, if we don't own our data and we, if we don't understand what's happening with technology, mm. we can become mm. colonialized pretty quickly, right? So, mm. what, and I look at China and I give you an example. Uh, so, but I want to circle back into that air minutes uh, as well, because the air minutes and the mobile phones is, 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 is actually key and about one innovation happening in, in Africa. Mm -hmm. Also, it's very interesting uh, for this conversation, I think. But China started this idea of maybe you saw or Netflix is as part of Black Mirror, where mm -hmm. you, you get your social score, right? So depending oh, yeah. on how you act in society, you get a score. Right, mm. and they were able to monitor you and score you based on the cameras that all over China, and of course the artificial intelligence machine learning that they can recognize your face. Pure data, they, you know, pure data play, right? Or pure, pure data. I was saying pure data, like from your peers or your local. Your peer data as well, they, yeah. they, because they, they can rate you as well, and you know, and so forth, right? So, but they're getting data from a lot of sources, right? Mm. And dynamically understanding that in real time, and you know, effectively giving you a score. And that score, of course, evolves, right? Mm -hmm. So is technology coming really um, all together? Because uh, there's elements of, you know, now, of course, you know, like so 5G, there are machine learning, there are artificial uh, intelligence uh, being used, a lot of uh, components of technology coming to do this uh, credit scoring on the fly, right? And this was been happening in China. They started as a pilot on one state and then they rolled it across, right? When COVID happened, and I, when I looked at that, and I was like, this is very interesting because now if they can put all this technology together and they can mm -hmm. really score an individual on the fly, they can easily do this in other nations, right? You know, if they went to an emerging nation, they can say, by the way, I just want to install video cameras everywhere. You know? <laughs> no, they could, they could, right? And I, it could be the next, you know, remember when the... Oil happened, and the people will say, "Okay, I'll come in and, and I'll dig the oil for you." Exactly, it will be exact same thing. People say that the data is the new oil, but you know you have to know there's different types of oils. So that's another joke as well. <laughs> it's all different types of data, right? Um, but if you, if you look at that, China now has this technology, has this algorithm that they build, the same as Tesla. The, the algorithms now is too advanced for others, right? Because the amount of processing uh, that they do on a daily basis, learning that they do on a daily basis. Now they can go to any nation and understand any citizen faster 
than than the government on that particular nation, right? Mm -hmm. Of that particular nation. So if they, if they deployed it in Ireland, they could get insights or tell what an Irish individual, uh, you know, could act in the future better than the Irish government could, for example, mm -hmm. right? If they were given that liberty to come and do that here, right? Um, then it becomes a, a game that which nations will allow them to do that, you know? Coming back to that colonialism, you know, there's some nations that allow them to do that, and they think that they come in here with good purposes, and they end up doing. But technology could be used for good, it could be used for bad, uh, and I think you're right. You really, uh, at times, you just have to understand the or the end game, and sometimes mm -hmm. uh, people's sight of the end game um, for the short termism. Um, and we know uh, examples in developing countries that that happens, uh, you know, corrupt and so forth. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, your leaders are, are key uh, in making those decisions. And when you have the right leaders with foresight, they're mm -hmm. able to see ahead of what could happen uh, mm -hmm. with certain, in this case, technology, um, but in other facets of society yeah, as well. Yeah, but I think the thing is, I guess it's so hard to predict what the future is going to hold these days. It always has been. And it's just, how can you see where things will take if, turns? If someone, uh, my mother used to say to me, if someone comes in and gives you an um, unbelievable deal, right? You know, you always have to ask, was it for them? You know, there's yeah, no, nothing that was the cash. There's no free lunch. <laughs> if someone actually gets me. Free Actually, 5G. You, you probably hmm. wonder why they give me free free 5G, right? <laughs> data they harvesting. And actually, speaking of um, this is a slight tangent, but with the data side of things and coming back to health tech, it got me thinking about uh, I had a, I had a wearable watch. It's called Whoop. Yeah. Um, and they took a lot of my data, and I actually cancelled it because I thought I'm paying too much for the the value they're getting out of me not just financially but all of the data they now have on me I, they should be paying me for this data I don't yes know. that yes. model's wrong um no you're 100 right on that one james i always believe that uh, you know uh, come back to even do we savvy how we, we were thinking about it we're thinking about for every ten thousand steps you, be, you should be paid a dollar or an euro right mm, on mm. a daily basis you know so by the end of the year you should let's say for the apple watch you should be able to have paid for the Apple Watch with your activity, right? First, it motivates yeah. you to be more active. And then while, how we were thinking about it was, Euro for me, it doesn't do much, right? In, in a developed country, right? But an Euro can help ensure someone in the developing country. So now you can use that Euro. Now, let's say I walk 10,000 steps and I can ensure someone in the developing country, you know? Uh, and that's how, and that will be, that will excite you. Uh, James, because you like say, okay, I could, you know, you're passionate about SDGs, and you can say, okay, I now see my impact at the end of the the the, the year. I could actually insure 365 people, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and and for that, for you, the 365 euros is is less of a, um, a motivation for you than the 365 people you would have been able to insure. You know, yeah. oh, so. Is 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 really exciting when people start thinking <laughs> yeah. about it in a different way, right? Yeah, there is so you can be so creative with this stuff now. Like you could, you could. Yeah. Ways. And and you you said earlier you wanted to to touch on something about the the mobile oh, penetration. Yes. Oh yes, on, on on the developing countries. Because uh, I enjoy this conversation the way we're having it. So the yeah, head, no, the, head the head is going everywhere. <laughs> but even like uh, uh, the 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 penetration, right, James, around uh, uh, mobile phones, <clears throat> and everyone's talking about smartphones, right? But are in Africa as well, there was this concept of air minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So what happened was, you know, in Africa, you know, so calling is, is vital. So 
instead of you me paying you money, you know, I could transfer some of my air minutes to you, and that was a form of a form of butter, you know. That was a currency. Your currency, exactly. I, I, that's what I was, I was getting at. So air minutes became a currency, right, uh, in Africa, uh, uh, and then of course you could use that then even to products. So you could use that to purchase, uh, you know, other financial products, the insurance, etc., which is very interesting. What happens if one of the communications agencies just floods the market with lots of minutes for, for very cheap? That was the thing, like, you know, because I was t- thinking about our model and I was thinking, okay, here we have unlimited bands, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's what always happens, you have unlimited bands, but, uh, you know, in Africa, it doesn't work that way. You don't, you don't get on unlimited bands. That's where we have a developing country, where you're right. That could happen, right? But mm-hmm. that concept of, you know, they build a currency on the back mm-hmm. of air minutes. And now mm-hmm. we're talking about um, cryptocurrencies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that has been built already in a way, right? That concept of a different way, a digital currency, right? Because Airminus is digital, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I, I believe that this will be very impactful uh, going yeah. forward, uh, cryptocurrencies and, and uh, the store of value, right? Yeah. Because store of value is absolutely critical to create a sustainable world, right? So it's good that we're talking about stable coins and, and cryptocurrencies at EU level and globally, because mm-hmm. if I'm in Africa, or in a developing country, Latin America, anywhere in the world, in India, uh, I want the fluctuation. I, I might not trust my currency because in the morning, you know, it might not be worth nothing, right? So I put all my savings, all my investments, you know, through the years into this uh, currency, and all of a sudden, in the morning, it might be worth pennies on a dollar, you know? Mm-hmm. So if, if I have a digital asset, in this case, let's say Bitcoin, right, um, whereby that store of value is there, now I feel more confident that regardless of what happens in the government, mm-hmm. uh, that, that my value uh, that I, I wanted to mass, uh, mm-hmm. my, secure, my future is secure. And mm-hmm. I think these are critical things that we have to really discuss because we want people to save more. We want people to, you know, contribute towards the pensions. We want people to contribute to society, uh, you know, be have a stable uh, plan. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of protection and be able to contribute to society, but we have to say, how do we assure them as well mm-hmm. that these shocks won't happen to them? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and it's interesting with the air minister now, the cryptocurrencies, yeah. because uh, I think that is something that we have, as for the SDGs, I think we have to think about that leveling the playing field in terms mm-hmm. of stability, because mm-hmm. political shocks we know happens with political shocks as well. And I really like the air minutes one because it's actually got intrinsic value as opposed to paper notes or even a cryptocurrency. Yep. It actually represents something um, that we can see and touch and feel and use. Whereas other fiat currency, I mean, they, they're, just, they're just there, you know? But then with cryptocurrency, it's also subject to the market prices and, and people's buy-in. Yes. So uh, I guess we're not quite there yet, but I can see how it could be something that could be valuable for transboundary currencies exchange awesome. at least. Um, 100%. I think we're not 100% there. You did right, James. I think we are a, a, a while away to, to get uh, some good stability. But the shocks are not as drastic as we've seen in other mm. countries like Zimbabwe and all of that. Don't know the mall, where then you're carrying your uh, your money on a shovel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's barrels you know, going around, right? We don't want that. <laughs> so we've, we've talked quite a bit about, and, and you've yeah, opened my eyes to you know, the, the possibilities with insurance and sort of access or penetration to online banking 
um, and in, in developing countries and connecting that with uh, a more capital or unique ways of, of funding these insurance programs from developed countries. What do you think then is going to be one of the key trends in open finance? Do you think it will be cryptocurrencies or do you think it will be this uh, unlocking of yeah, health data to make insurance cheaper for people that wouldn't have access to it? I'm quite bullish and I've been, this thing that's been playing out, it's going to be data, you know, mm. because if I can understand, I come back even to the insurance, if I, sometimes you cannot insure someone in um, a developing country uh, because you don't understand the risk, right? Mm. But if in a way I can gather my risk and showcase you my risk, now I can, you know, price you. Same as well, you know, just moving out of, out, out of insurance so we go to banking, right? Mm. Bank is all about credit history. Hmm. Right, you know, so I can give you ability to, uh, you know, give you a loan or give you a mortgage, you know, uh, all that. Um, but it's built on credit history. But if you able to showcase me your risk in another way with alternative ways of credit uh, scoring, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Now you can have access to capital, right? You, yeah. you know, just even simple things like, okay, I'll show you that I pay my bills all time, every time, you know. Yeah. That's that should be that should go toward you know towards something, you know if even if I show you uh, like okay and this is happening in Africa how you take care of the community you could be the case that you have someone that you get some money and you lend out uh, and you're 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 here that to the community right uh, that should be able to build a credit history because your bank is is not seeing that at the moment but if you mm -hmm. see the impact that you have mm -hmm, mm -hmm. should be able to help, uh, help you, uh, yeah. you know. When it's digital and online, then it can be captured and the data can be used to prove. A hundred percent. I think that's going to be uh, really the beauty about this is anyone in the world now being able to showcase their risk, mm -hmm. uh, risk and, and habits uh, and, you know, propensities. Uh, and then different institutions being able to be more creative in how they, um, you know, model, uh, be it finance, in this case finance, but be insurance, banking, you know, pension, you know, asset management products. Uh, I think that's, that's going to really unlock incredible things, uh, you know, because there's areas that we haven't even touched uh, in society mm -hmm. that need, uh, you know, uh, Technology be deployed into them. They need support, uh, financial support, mm, uh, and being able to access the capital, being able to reach the, 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 those pockets of society, I think is absolutely key. And that's what excites me. And I think it falls very, very nicely into the SDG goals. And we have a, a couple of further maybe because uh, these are these are ones that I want, I want to make sure I touch on that link to finance. A lot of people don't really know this, I link to finance, but yeah, there's 17 of them, but I think you no know, poverty is a key one, right? Yeah. And we talked about it through through the conversation, how you'd be able to become more sustainable as a citizen, you know? I think good health and well-being, we talked mm -hmm. about it as well, That's right? Yeah. Uh, we talked about this and work and economic growth uh, comes back in that, to that stability, uh, that political mm -hmm. stability that we touched on. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there's that affordable clean energy. You know, we talked about with Tesla and, uh, and so forth. Uh, you know, there's one that underpins everything: industry innovation and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. You know, that that thing, the finance as well. There's uh, reduced inequalities. Uh, coming back to the ability to 
make that understanding of that data available to everyone, uh, then you'll be able to get yourself out of, uh, you know, let's say poverty or other areas uh, where there's inequality as well mm-hmm. uh, on. Uh, so that's a key one uh, for me, of course, sustainable cities and communities. And then partnership of goals. I think partnership will be absolutely fundamental going forward. So how do you partner across different ecosystems really to evolve society? Uh, Tesla is, is doing it quite well and other, other, other uh, you know, companies are doing that quite well. But OK, now we have all this cool technology, we build this infrastructure, how do we deploy that for society, for societal benefit, right? And I, named, I said I'll bring this eight out of 17, right? But mm. just to showcase even like finance, how it's touching on more than half of them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's important for the listeners to really understand the impact of open finance and, and how mm. is this intrinsically embedded, um, you know, and where we're going as a society, mm-hmm. right? I feel like you've you've wrapped up everything perfectly for me there, and again you put a bow on it. So that's really really cool, and the insights you've shared today have been yeah epic for me to listen to. So I hope that everyone else listening in has really enjoyed it, and I'll um, put some more links in the description below at the end of this episode so that people can find out more about you and the work you're doing, and and um, yeah really about how open finance is going to be changing the world. Um, so thank you so much for coming on to speak to me today. I've really, really, really enjoyed it. So Same as well, James. A... I really enjoyed it. I appreciate the opportunity to come and share, you know, how we're thinking about the world and our hypothesis and what we've seen. And uh, I really appreciate the work that you're doing uh, around communicating this message because I think more people have to really share this good news. And because before we didn't have metrics, before we didn't have, mm. uh, you know, key things to embrace with purpose uh, mm. and say this is what we, as an organization, we want to paint in. I think those 17 develop, uh, sustainable development goals, uh, any organization should have that on their board and then say, mm. say like, how do we contribute to, to at least one of mm. these goals, right? And mm. I think the work that you're doing is very, very impactful in that, in that space and hopefully more people will start thinking that way, you know? Great, I love it. So thank you so much for this and I hope we can uh, stay connected and, and maybe do something again in the future. Um, 100% it'd be really, really cool to get you on a round table talking finance because I would... Um, yeah, love to be able to pull some more people together and just like you said, partnerships and really get lots of different heads talking about this, these topics. Um, so all the best this afternoon and um, yeah, have a nice evening. I'll speak to you again at some point soon, I'm sure. Same James. Take care. Cheerio, man. Thanks for listening to the STG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow STG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in United Nations community. The goal of SDG Talks is to bring you value. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.